0: Welcome to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Today, you are going to learn how to outsmart emotional eating and live a life of happiness and joy without giving up the foods you love. Now, here is Dr. Nina.
1: Hi, welcome to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. I'm your host, Dr. Nina Savelle Rocklin, psychoanalyst, and I am here to help you liberate yourself from emotional eating, take control of your life, and feel good in your body, all without dieting, spending hours in the gym, or counting a single macro, or having any injections, or surgery, or all the things that people typically do to try to deal with emotional eating, all of which do not work. So to Today, we're going to talk about the seven easy steps to crush late-night chocolate cravings forever. (laughs) Yes, forever. Um, And if you are watching on the live stream on Instagram, feel free to drop a comment or a question as we go. If you're listening on Voice America Live and you have any questions, feel free to join me. The number is 866-477-5792. Okay, chocolate. Next week is Valentine's Day. It's all about chocolate right now. Chocolate has been called the food of the gods, and it is one of the most popular cravings out there, right? And that's because, let's face it, chocolate tastes amazing. Except, you know who doesn't think it tastes amazing? My daughter, my 16-year-old daughter doesn't like chocolate. I think there is something seriously wrong with her. How can you not like chocolate? It does not, it does not compute to me. I happen to like chocolate and most people do it. And that is because it's, it's yummy. It has you know, that smooth texture. It has that rich taste. It melts in your mouth. It's just really good. But there is more to our love affair with chocolate than just its taste. And sometimes a good thing can become too much of a good thing, especially if chocolate is your thing when you are binging or emotional eating or overeating or using it in some way uh, that it becomes problematic. That's what we're going to talk about today. But first, I want to talk a little bit about chocolate cravings and some of the misconceptions and beliefs out there about chocolate cravings, because they they are more than just Uh oh, you know, I I really feel like I'd like some chocolate. You know, they're they're like what causes that craving, and often they have deeper psychological implications. Um, but there are some ideas out there that uh our bond with chocolate has to do with hormones, it has to do with nutritional deficiencies, it has to do with so many different things, and also why Why is it worse at night? So let me start with that. Why are chocolate cravings or any cravings worse at night, right? You're good all day, quote unquote, good. Everything's fine. You eat in a normal way. You have whatever you have and you're okay with food. And then nighttime comes and you know you eat dinner and then you keep going back to the kitchen for more chocolate or whatever. And you just don't understand why. And maybe you think you have no willpower. You have uh, no control. Maybe you think you're a food addict. Maybe you think you're a sugar addict. Whatever the case, here's why we have cravings that are worse at night. Um, because during the day we are busy. We are busy. We are focused on lots of things. Our minds are occupied. We're we're working. We're taking care of kids. Or doing things. We're doing whatever we're doing. We're busy during the day, and at night is when things. Usually, typically, calm down and thoughts and emotions might come into our head or might start coming in. And you know how we shut them down by thinking, huh, what's in the kitchen? Oh, I really want some chocolate or whatever. So often we turn to chocolate or ice cream or cookies or chips or pasta or whatever it is to numb or distract from difficult emotions or thoughts that get amplified at night. And also, uh, we might be stressed about our day. That's another reason. Sometimes we're, yeah, we're busy during the day and we're focused, but we're also stressed out. And at night, that's when we start thinking, oh, my God, what could I have done better? Or should I have done that? Or what can I do? Or I don't know how to solve this problem. And we get even more stressed. And so we may turn to food, including chocolate, to distract, to numb, and to calm down. So if you find that nights are times when you emotionally eat or binge eat, it might feel like those cravings are impossible to resist. But keep in mind this, you are not actually craving chocolate or whatever it is. You're craving an escape or a respite from some thoughts and emotions you do not want to feel, you do not want to get in touch with. Um, so back to the question of why do we crave chocolate? Chocolate. Is it because of some nutritional need? Is it because of hormones? Or is it due to, let's call it, an emotional hunger? So let's talk about the biology of chocolate cravings. And this is going to be interesting. Stick around because uh, for those of you who are like, oh, it's totally tied to my cycle. When I get my period, PMS, it's all about me and chocolate. You're going to be surprised at what I have to tell you. All right, so a lot of us feel... Like like oh uh, I'm I'm stressed I'm down I'm whatever I just need some chocolate, and what is it in chocolate that makes us crave that in particular? Well, for starters, chocolate contains substances like. Bear with me; these are hard to pronounce. Uh, Phenylethamine, theobromine, anandamine, and tryptif- tryptophan. I made it through. I did it. I think I might have pronounced those wrong, but would you even know? That's all right. All right. So these are big, big words, lots of syllables, but essentially they are compounds that make us feel good. So, left, benilethi- bin, oh, I blew it. thigh. Benilethi- something like that. It is it is uh, it's similar to a feel good chemical in our in our bodies that naturally occurs and it is linked to feelings of happiness and 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 you know just you know you feel good when you have that chemical released. And so some researchers say, "Hey, that's why people prefer chocolate over other things in life." However, not so fast. Most of this chemical when you eat it in chocolate, most of it gets broken down before it even can affect our brains. So it may not really influence our cravings after all. And then there's theobromine, which is related to caffeine, but is much milder. So it gives you like a little boost and it may increase your heart rate a teeny little bit, but it is really not strong enough by itself to explain why we love chocolate so much. And all the also, if you're going to have caffeine, like why not just have coffee or tea or something like that? All right. So then we come to the nutritional deficiency theory. And that's the idea that our bodies crave certain foods due to nutritional deficiencies. It's a very widely held belief. And chocolate is rich in several nutrients, including magnesium, iron, antioxidants, definitely for sure. Oh, it's practically a health food. Um, But Some theories say that if our bodies are deficient in these nutrients, we experience cravings for chocolate as a way for our body to signal that we need those essential elements. So basically, if you're like, oh, I must have chocolate now, it's your body saying, you need magnesium, you need iron, you need some antioxidants. Well, chocolate sorry to tell you, is not the most efficient or healthiest source for those nutrients. Many other foods are much higher in those nutrients without all the other stuff that's in chocolate, like sugar and fat. So it is much more likely that our our cravings are 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 influenced by a, an interplay of, let's say, biological, psychological, and, and social factors. And in, in fact, a study uh, about 30 years ago, they, they gave participants different kinds of chocolate. So they gave them like white chocolate, dark chocolate, um, milk chocolate, and white chocolate. I still say, my husband likes white chocolate. I still say, that's not chocolate, but he begs to differ anyway. Um, They also gave them capsules of cocoa with a really high concentration of of chocolate. So it turned out that when these participants were in this research uh, study, they only really wanted milk chocolate. That's really the only thing that hit the spot for them chocolate-wise in terms of cravings. So even, even white chocolate, I think that came in second, which doesn't even have any cocoa in it. It doesn't even have any of that stuff in it. It was preferred over cocoa, the cocoa capsules. So This study suggests that cravings for chocolate might be more about its texture, its smell, its sweetness, all of those other things, and all the happy feelings we associate with chocolate rather than just its ingredients and its nutrients. So while cravings, I guess they can sometimes hint at what our bodies need, like when I was a vegetarian for two years, I started having dreams, literally dreams about eating a hamburger. I I and it, and I was iron deficient. so many people can have cravings for new you know for nutrients, but that's like you know craving a steak or hamburger that indicates possibly an iron deficiency. but often that is not the case. People on high sodium um, uh, I, I mean low sodium diets, they still crave no, People on high-sodium diet, people who eat a lot of salt, they still crave salty snacks. And let's be honest, we are not exactly craving kale and carrots. And It's not like, oh, yeah, at night, you know what? I just can't stay out of the kitchen because I, I, I just can't stay away from that kale, man. Like, I just that those carrots, they're calling my name. Calling my name says nobody ever. So high-calorie foods, especially with sugar and fat, uh, you know, like chocolate, they're usually what we crave. And that points more to an emotional craving than a biological one. Now, you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, what about hormones? You know, PMS and chocolate, those things go together like peanut butter and jelly, right? Okay, what about this link between chocolate and PMS? Well, Dr. Julie Hormes, a clinical psychology professor, she was interested in this too. And she wondered if there is a biological reason behind women craving chocolate around their periods. Is Are our bodies telling us we need something in chocolate and that's what we just have to have before our periods? Well, it turns out, not really. She uh, published a study in Appetite uh, Journal, the journal Appetite tight in 2011, and she found that the whole idea of needing certain nutrients from chocolate during PMS really doesn't hold up. So what's the deal with women in chocolate cravings during PMS? She thinks it's all about culture. And other studies have since then have really backed this up. Like we often see ads that show chocolate as this indulgent treat that helps you feel less stressed. And the message is, hey, chocolate is this special allowed treat on those tough days, especially, um, you know, especially in the, that PMS thing, like, oh, I'm dreaming of chocolate. <laughs> it's that time of a month. That That's kind of a cultural message that we get. But this is not true other places in the world. This is the cool part that I thought was really interesting. In Spain, for example, women don't crave chocolate around their periods the way they do in the United States. It is not that Spanish women have different bodies somehow, different hormones, different menstrual cycles, right? They're still women. It's more about how chocolate is not linked to femininity in Spanish advertisements. And in Spain, Spanish men and women are almost equally likely to crave chocolate or to want chocolate. And in Egypt, chocolate cravings aren't a big thing for either men or women. And in that culture, they tend to go for kind of the more savory stuff. So it really is a cultural construct. So this indicates that our chocolate cravings may be more about what we've been taught to believe than our Actual biological needs. So, by the way, if you think about it, if it's all linked to hormones, then post menopausal women who are not dealing with PMS hormones and all of that, they shouldn't really be craving chocolate anymore, right? But they do. Okay. Um, And then just just one last comment about the hormones, and then I'm going to get to the psychology and then what to do about all of this. So, um, research also shows, yeah, oh, okay, this is just a University of Pennsylvania study that looked at pre and postmenopausal women. I was getting ahead of myself, right? So excited to share this with you. Uh, and it showed that chocolate cravings did not decrease, did not lessen after menopause, which suggests again that those cravings are not hormonally driven. Interesting, right? I think it's really interesting. So it looks like reaching for chocolate uh, during PMS may not be as hormonally driven as you thought. It's more about the cultural and psychological messages we've been absorbing without even being aware of. So what is the psychology? Let's get to the psychology. I'm a psychoanalyst. It's all about the psychology. What are what are the psychology uh, psychological aspects of chocolate craving? Well, it is definitely associated with positive emotions, with reward, and with love and comfort and just well-being. Uh, And that emotional connection can trigger cravings. Our mind wants to feel good. So we think, what will make me feel good? Oh, that thing that I've been told will make me feel good. Chocolate. Where's the chocolate? Chocolate. So when we crave chocolate, it may be a sign that we are seeking comfort, reward, or love, or need more sweetness in our life. Not the kind that comes from sugar, but the sweetness of of love, of connection, of fulfillment, of everything missing that we might have. And someone recently told me that they realized, you know, they were, they were going to they, they were heading to the kitchen and they 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 sort of channeled my voice. And they were like, wait, what am I really hungry for right now? What do I really want right now? And the answer was, I really want a hug. But there was no one there to give them a hug. So they were seeking food as a substitute. As a substitute for the the, the fulfillment and the connection and the, the satisfaction of, of a hug and connection with, with other people. So chocolate has definitely become a symbol of, of all of those things, comfort, reward, love, sweetness. And so, yeah, it gives us a temporary distraction and a a temporary, you know, boost. And it can also be tied just to habit, habit and routine. If we're used to having a piece of chocolate after dinner, or it's our break at work, and we're used to having some coffee and some chocolate, uh, we just start to associate it. So if we don't have it, it feels like something's missing, it feels weird. We, then we start needing it just because it's a habit. So we've, we've created a psychological association between, oh, we have, I have chocolate after dinner. I have chocolate at my, my afternoon, you know, coffee, tea, whatever. Um, so we link those two things and then we, we have to have it because it's just expected. And these cravings can be influenced by our beliefs. If we think chocolate is going to make us feel better, which people in Spain and Egypt do not, because they're not getting the same messages, if we think chocolate is going to make us feel better, guess what? We're more likely to crave it. And that's known as the expectancy theory in psychology. Our expectations influence our behavior. Oh, I expect that I'm going to have that chocolate and I'm going to feel so good and then, you know, that gets, that, because we expect it, that's, that, that becomes a link rather than chocolate is just chocolate. It, 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 it doesn't give you any more, um, like sense of well being or relief, or it doesn't any more symbolize love than, a, than a muffin does. Uh, psychologist, Deborah Zelt, Dr. Deborah Zellner thinks women crave chocolate because they often view it as forbidden. It is this delicious, somewhat sinful treat because, of course, it has fat, it has calories, all the things. And she found that in in cultures where chocolate is not seen as something to avoid, again, she used Spain in her example, women don't crave it as much. So it might be more about the guilt and the allure and the sort of forbidden fruit aspect of chocolate. Uh, that's one aspect of it. Because remember, deprivation or makes us want what we what we think we cannot have. So if you tell yourself, "I can't have chocolate," "I can't have chocolate," "I just can't have it," um, then what's going to happen? You're going to want it more. The more you tell yourself you can't have it, the more you're going to want it. And then when you finally have it, do you say, "Oh, that was just really good"? No, most people do not say that was really good. I mean, most people go. Oh, I mean, people who struggle with food, emotional eating, binge eating, that kind of thing say, oh, I blew it. I ate chocolate. The day is ruined. I might as well have all the chocolate. No. And so deprivation leads to that diet binge cycle, which is just deadly. It just just ruins our relationship with ourselves, with food, with our bodies, all the things. So any deprivation or anticipation of deprivation is very problematic. Um, And also, a monotonous diet, this is interesting, causes cravings. So in a study with people who had only nutrition shakes for every meal for five days, they reported many more cravings than those who had a variety of food. So mixing up what you eat can really help reduce cravings for certain foods. I am personally seeing this at my home right now. The aforementioned 16-year-old daughter who doesn't like chocolate. What? What? Don't understand it. Um she's been on this this like Like this plan, this like super get fit plan. And she has to eat the same thing every week. She has to meal prep, eat the same thing for every dinner, every lunch, everything. And this kid who never used to talk about food and just ate breakfast, lunch, (laughs) dinner, and snacks, and was a complete intuitive eater. Since she went on this program, she's like, oh, I'm just thinking about burritos. Oh, I just can't wait till I'm done with this program and I can eat pizza. So she is an example of wow when you go on a diet or a food plan or whatever you're going to call it and you don't allow yourself to have certain foods you start craving them more. My daughter never talked about food that way. And I tell her, "You're the poster child for wh- for why dieting leads to binging. All you're doing is thinking about burritos and pizza. You never used to think like this before, right?" So we're having a lot of conversations, needless to say. All right, so why is chocolate a symbol of love? Chocolate's association with love and romance, that can be traced back to ancient civilizations. The Mayans and Aztecs considered chocolate an aphrodisiac. And they used it in rituals, uh, like relating to marriage and fertility. And they, they created this symbolic connection between chocolate and love. So fast forward to the Victorian era, when we saw chocolate becoming a popular gift for people you love. Richard C. Cadbury. I did not know this until I started doing research for this. Um, I didn't know there was a Richard C. Cadbury. All I knew is that when I lived in London, Cadbury's milk chocolate with almonds was pretty tasty, but apparently there was a Richard C. Cadbury of Cadbury's chocolate and he was the first to sell chocolates in heart shaped boxes. What a marketing genius! And this marketing strategy reinforced the association of chocolate uh, with romantic love and made it a staple of Valentine's Day celebrations, which we still do today. And I, I'm, I'm speaking now, the, the live show is about a week before Valentine's Day. What are you seeing on TV? Chocolate, 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 chocolate in heart shaped boxes all the things. So psychologically, the act of giving chocolate is supposed to make someone feel special and cherished and desired. So it is a socially acceptable kind of token of affection. And of course, you know, then when we when we turn to chocolate, what are we trying to do? We're trying to like feel loved, feel lovable, get vicarious love. If no one's sending you chocolates on Valentine's Day. Well, maybe you're giving yourself some love when you eat chocolate. Here's a quote by Miranda Ingram. I don't know who Miranda Ingram is. If anyone does know, please let me know. But I found this quote, which I totally love. She said, it's not that chocolates are a substitute for love. Love is a substitute for chocolate. Chocolate is, let's face it, far more reliable than a man. I disagree with you, Miranda, but that's a pretty funny quote. And it really sums up a lot of what, you know, of the way people think, right? And this also goes into what, what I often say is, you know, why do we turn to food? Food in our psyches represents love and relationship and bonding because the first experience we have of of being fed is being held in someone's arms where we feel cozy and safe and loved, and we're in this blissful state, and that is then associated with the the experience of being fed. So food in our psyche registers as um, as actually relationship, and we don't consciously think of it that way, but our our culture. Gives the message of of that we say, oh, you know, hungry for love, starving for affection. Uh, food is food, and people are you know fulfilling relationships, satisfying relationships, fulfilling meal, satisfying meal, things like that. So our culture does show that we have that relationship between the two things. But people can be unpredictable, unreliable, and unavailable. Food, however is predictable, available, and reliable. You are never going to go have some Cadbury's milk chocolate with almonds and have it taste like kale. It's just not going to happen. But where people can fool you, people can change, people can disappoint you, sometimes it's easier to turn to chocolate or other foods than it is to people. And when we don't have enough love in our lives, we may turn to chocolate as a substitute. So keep in mind, if you are turning to food, it is always, always, always for a reason. And that reason may be out of our awareness. We may not be aware of it, but there is always a reason. Um, So emotional eating, for example, can be a form of self-soothing. And sometimes we get so quick at going to food to self-soothe, I call it bypass binging because we go so quickly to food. We we actually uh, don't even consciously register sometimes when we are upset because we go right to the solution. We never even register the problem. So when we're we're anxious or stressed or sad, we may turn to chocolate as a way to alleviate those feelings, but we may also turn to chocolate or other things to alleviate feelings that we we are not aware of, that we're even having. you know? like I've I've often shared about Jenna, the woman who said that uh, Ben and Jerrys was calling her name as she was just chilling out and and watching TV, her favorite show charmed, right? So she she said there was no reason. That she would want to suddenly like down a pint of Ben and Jerry's. She said she was addicted to Chunky Monkey. Turned out that watching the show Charmed activated her own sister stuff. And yes, she had a real issue with her sister. And before she was consciously aware that she was being triggered, she went to ice cream for comfort and distraction. So ice cream was not the problem. It was the solution to the problem. It's really important to consider... Why you're turning to your food instead of focusing on what you are eating? Because it is not what you are eating that is the true problem. It is what's eating at you, even if sometimes that is out of your awareness, just to make life interesting. Um, but if you, you know, if you're interested in my my formula to help you discover well, what are these hidden triggers? Just uh, drop the. The word formula, and if everything is working right, you will get. If you're on Instagram, this is. And if you're not on Instagram, if you're listening to this on the Voice America Live or on a on a, uh, or later, just go to my Instagram and and DM me formula, and I'm going to send you my my food mood formula. So the next time that you are craving something, consider why you are craving it. Binging on chocolate, whether at night or any it is a sign of emotional eating, and that is triggered by something. It is triggered by stress, loneliness, sadness, emptiness, anxiety, some other difficult emotional state. And when you become more curious about why you are wanting to eat that chocolate, instead of focusing on oh my God, I can't believe I'm eating all this chocolate. Focus on why and be a detective of your mind. I, that's what I said. Look, you know, just be a detective of your mind. Right now, it's not, um, don't make success be, oh, I didn't eat chocolate. That's just willpower. Right now say, mm, I ate chocolate, but I totally know why I did it. That is our, our, reason for success, right? That, that's our, not our reason for success, wrong word. I'm multitasking. My producer is telling me there's like 15 more seconds until break. So I'm going to go with that. Uh, I am going to take a break right now. And when I come back, we're going to talk about alternatives to chocolate and other ways to soothe yourself without chocolate or anything else. So I'll be back in two minutes. See you then.
0: Follow Voice America at
1: Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts.
0: Are you tired of the endless cycle of dieting and binging? Ready to break free from emotional eating and regain control of your life? Look no further than The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina, the transformative radio show that will empower you on your journey to food freedom. Dr. Nina is here to guide you every step of the way. Join her as she delves into the true causes of binge eating, uncovers hidden triggers, and gives you effective strategies for lasting change. With practical tips and inspiring stories of transformation, The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina will help you nurture a healthier mindset, embrace self-compassion, and rediscover your true self. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Have questions for Dr. Nina? Join her on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now back to the show.
1: Hey there! Welcome back to the binge cure with Dr. Nina. We are talking about how to outsmart chocolate cravings as we come up on on Valentine's Day. Chocolate cravings at night or any time, and we talked about certain um, fallacies about what causes those chocolate cravings. Are they hormonal? Are they are they uh, a sign of nutritional deficiency? What are they all about? And we really came to the understanding that they are more uh, social, cultural constructs, and they're psychological in nature more than anything else. And it is our way of trying to self-soothe often that leads to that. And maybe you need more sweetness in your life, right? Not the kind that comes from sugar, but the, the sweetness of connection and love and joy and all of those things. We cannot always get that In life when we want it, but we can always have more chocolate. So once you understand why you reach for chocolate, whether it's times of stress or sadness or or boredom, sometimes eating is something to do if you don't know how to be with yourself, uh, you can cultivate new ways of coping and ultimately replace the act of binge eating chocolate or anything with healthier, more Fulfilling alternatives. So since chocolate is associated with love, comfort, reward, it's important to find new ways of being sweet to yourself and new ways of responding to yourself. Often, we're mean to ourselves. We say, horrible awful things to ourselves. And then what happens? We turn to food, chocolate or other things just to escape our own mean voice. But I'm going to I'm going to I'm I'm going to get to that in a little bit. So often when we crave chocolate, we're 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 again yearning for that sweetness that goes beyond the literal sweetness of chocolate. It's the metaphorical sweetness. It's the concept of experiencing joy and pleasure, connection, whatever it is. So I'm going to give you some actual strategies, some strategies for how you can infuse your life with a deeper level of fulfillment and sweetness. And then I'm going to talk about, if we have time, I'm going to talk about uh, uh, how to respond to yourself in a sweeter way. So one, one way that you can create more sweetness in your life is creative expression, Creativity is really a powerful way of experiencing sweetness and richness in your life. Whether you're painting or writing or music or you know, playing music or writing music or listening to music or dancing, these are all creative, joyful experiences. And discover what it is that you like. One one of my patients discovered that she really loved the hula. She took a Hawaiian dancing class, and she absolutely loved it. And you know what happened when she started uh, taking hula lessons? She started making new friends. She started having things to do at night and over the weekends. She start, And it was exercise, and she started feeling better in her body. And what do you think happened? She craved chocolate. Not at all, eventually, because she replaced, you know, sweetness of chocolate with the sweetness of doing something fun and creative which led to other things people and 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 she just had a richer life all due to hula dancing <laughs> doesn't have to be hula just figure out what it is for you and you know and do it have fun the more fun you have the less you need food for fun so also creative activities can allow you to express your emotions, you know, in a sense, and, 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 you know, and also produce something, something beautiful or something resonant or something, you know, powerful. And that can be incredibly fulfilling. Another way to create more sweetness in your life is to have more meaningful connections Human connection is a profound source of sweetness in our lives. The right with the right people, though. Big caveat, the right people. So if you invest time in building and nurturing relationships that are supportive and genuine, those connections will bring you comfort. They will bring you joy. They'll give you a sense of belonging. And those are so essential and crucial for our our emotional well-being. As we learned in COVID, we actually need each other. We actually need the sweetness of connection. If you don't have connection, and what happened during COVID, by the way, the COVID-19, right? That was the average weight. people. I actually think it was higher than that, but COVID-19 was a play on, you know, COVID-19. The COVID-19 pounds is because we felt so disconnected and people started eating emotionally and, you know, that that's why we need connection. We need to connect with other people. We need the sweetness of connection with other people. When we have that, you are less likely to turn to chocolate for sweetness or or anything else. A third way to have more sweetness in your life is follow your passions. Like we all have things that that stir us deeply or ignite our enthusiasm, enthusiasm things that we love. So identifying what those are and pursuing your passion that can bring a sense of purpose, an excitement, fun, enjoy. It's enjoyable, right? That all sweetens your life doesn't have to be some big thing. Like you don't have to be like, Oh, I'm going to, I have a passion for starting a, you know, I don't know, a nonprofit. No, it could be any, or I'm going to run the marathon. It doesn't have to be that. It's just any activity, anything that you like to do that you're passionate about. Like maybe you love dogs. So you go and you volunteer at a, at a, at a rescue place or, or, or you, you, you love dogs, but you don't have a dog and, you know, you're not allowed to have dogs in your apartment. So maybe go walk your friend's dog, something like that just makes you happy. I personally think dogs bring a lot of sweetness into our lives. Um, but do something that makes you happy, makes you feel, you know, like, like connected and, and all of those things. Because when we have more fun in our lives and more satisfaction, guess what? We don't need food for fun or satisfaction symbolically. Uh, A fourth way to have more sweetness in your life is embrace the arts. The arts really touch us deeply. I remember seeing uh, an opera. I I was in New York. I saw my first opera at at the Met. And... After a while, I didn't even read the the translation. You know, now, now at least in that opera house, it's all in Italian, right? What are they saying? And so there's a translation in the seat in front of you, and you can read exactly what's going on in the opera. But after a while, I just ignored that and because I, I was just feeling the music. I was just in the story. I wasn't even always sure what was going on, but I could feel it, right? So... Art can touch us deeply, whether it's going to the opera or going to a museum or going to a concert or visiting a, a, a gallery or watching a play or just whatever arts that, that, that you like, maybe it's a um, spoken word, whatever it is, like immerse yourself in that because that is part of embracing your humanity. And it brings up such a range of emotions and, and, and it, and it it, it brings sweetness into your life. I don't know how else to say it, but that, yes, it brings sweetness into your life, these experiences. Uh, A sixth way is to give and receive love. I know, I know, easier said than done, but love, love adds sweetness to our lives. So allow yourself, and this is hard for some people, For some of us, allow yourself to love and be loved, even if you think you're not good enough. You don't have to be good enough, whatever the heck that is, to be loved and lovable and likable. You don't have to be perfect. If someone loves you, trust that they love you, not that they're somehow you fooled them and they don't really love you. If they knew the real you, they wouldn't love you. No, trust that this person actually sees you and loves you laws and all. And open yourself up to being cared for as much as you care for others. So love can really transform your life and that love can include the love of friendships. There's a kind of love called agape. it just means like the love you have for you know your fellow man, the love you have for for friends. Doesn't have to be romantic love. It just has to be love. And by the way, that includes pets. Dogs, in particular, offer so much love. Um, they lo- they offer love and companionship. To people, and you know, there's a reason they're called man's best friend because they have such loyalty and unconditional love that they provide to their humans. And so, the bonds between us and dogs can be incredibly strong. It can provide support, which has been proven to reduce uh, stress and anxiety. And it have when when old people in homes have in homes retirement homes have dogs it's been proven that they actually do better and live longer so let love into your life in whatever form you can love is sweet and love is love love is chocolate is not love we've just made that connection love is love also another way to add sweetness into your life is to engage with nature so nature has a way of just soothing the soul doesn't it it, it just, it, like you get out in nature and it's like, the world just falls away. So spend time outdoors, just enjoy, enjoy the, the, the trees, the sky, the whatever, like find something that you love. And that is sweetness. That sweetness is going to take the place of chocolate. I promise you, the more experiences that you have, in in life with people in nature uh, it, with the arts all of what I've just talked about the 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 more you're going to have a sweeter life and the sweeter your life is the less you are going to use chocolate or anything else for that purpose and last celebrate small victories often we overlook small victories and and we overlook like the small moments but you know what the small moments are the big moments. We, we think, oh, it's only worth celebrating if it's big, but start celebrating those little moments, those little achievements in your life. You know, in my in my Facebook group, Dr. Nina's Food for Thought Community, if you are not a member, please join. It is a community of people all over the world that are kind of ad- adhering to my, non, my diet-free, stress-free, willpower-free binge-cure method to change their relationship with themselves and therefore with food. But I I often will say, what are your wins? Share your wins. And at first people are like, I have no wins. What are you talking about? I have no wins. And now they're they're sharing their wins and what do you think they're doing? They're feeling better about themselves. Because if we only think, well that's not worth celebrating, then we're rarely celebrating ourselves. But when we say, hey, you know what? I I went out of my comfort zone. I said "I said hi to someone that I was a little bit intimidated by. Like, that's my win. And they said hi back. <laughs> or, you know, I did something. I, I signed up for a class. I ordinarily wouldn't have done that. But I did it. And it was scary. But I went. And that was my win. Like, these wins are important. And these wins are not, I didn't eat chocolate. No. Another win is, oh, I I ate a bunch of chocolate. But then afterwards, I reflected, why did I eat all that chocolate? Hmm, what was that about? And I realized it was because I was feeling sad and lonely. That's my win. So the win is not, oh, I failed. I, you know, I, I I failed to eat that thing. It's, oh, I realized what was eating at me. I'm really proud of myself because information is everything. You have to know why you're turning to food instead of focusing on what you are eating. So celebrate those quote unquote, small victories because that way you're going to feel good all the time. You're going to have much more of a sense of accomplishment and happiness, which is a sweet feeling, right? So chocolates appeal, obviously, it's, it's, it's powerful. But when we look at the psychological threads, <laughs> oh, I'm going to make a terrible analogy. I apologize. When we look at the psychological threads to our or chocolate cravings at night or anytime, we can start to unravel that tapestry of emotional eating. There, I'm done. That 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 was just a, a bit of a reach, but you know, there you go. You understand. So it's all about understanding why you are eating chocolate or anything else and not focusing on food. So now I do have time to talk about like instead of these actions that I gave you those seven things that you can do to bring more sweetness in your life let's talk about how to be sweeter to yourself so the first thing that that you want to do is only talk to yourself the way you would talk to a friend so if your friend ate a bunch of chocolate at night would you say to your friend oh my god i can't believe you ate that chocolate you are disgusting that is so gross how could you have eaten that Oh, you're never going to lose weight. You're, ugh, I, I hate you. Horrible, right? You'd never say that. You'd never say that to a friend. And if you if you did, oh, well, I think that's not good. But I'm guessing no, you would never say that to a friend. But you would say that to yourself. And what do you think you feel after you say such things? You feel terrible. And what do you do when you feel terrible? If you you cannot tear yourself down and lift yourself up. So if you feel terrible because you just berated yourself for eating chocolate or anything, what are you going to do? You're going to be like, ugh, where's the chocolate? I got to get away from my own mean voice. Not that you're thinking of it that way, but I want you to start thinking about it that way. So first, if you wouldn't say it to a friend, a child, someone you love, do not speak that way to yourself. Do not say that. And here's what to say instead. Here, You, you guys know I, I love acronyms, so tear, not T-E-A-R, T-E-I-R. Um, so think, stop and think. You're heading to the kitchen. Stop and think. Ask yourself the question that I told you about my patient earlier who asked uh, themselves that question and, and realized they needed a hug, right? They didn't really need food. They needed a hug. So ask yourself, what do I really need? What am I really hungry for? why am I heading to the kitchen? What is it I don't want to think about? What is it I don't want to feel? Identify that. So stop and think. And then I is, you know, identify. Identify why. What is, What are you emotionally hungry for? What are you trying to avoid? What are you, what are you trying not to think about? Because if you're turning to food, you are turning away from something else. What is it? What is it? Next is express, right? Express your feelings because we can't, we can't just drop our feelings. We can't eat chocolate and make our feelings go away or our our thoughts. We can't ignore them. We can't positive think of them away. We can't gratitude them away. There's only one way to deal with feelings, and that is to actually feel them. But we are not taught how to feel them. Why are emotions called feelings? Because we feel them in our bodies. So we've got to let ourselves feel it by saying, yes, I, uh, with the hug example, I feel sad I feel lonely. I need a hug because I feel sad and I feel lonely and I feel really disconnected and that's, you know, that's really hard. It feels like everybody else in my life has someone in their life. I don't, and I'm feeling really bad and disconnected and lonely and sad. That's why I need a hug and that's what I need. I need a hug and I need connection, not chocolate. So so think, identify Express, you got to get it out like, oh, I feel this because of this. I feel that because of that without turning it on yourself. Very, very, very important. Don't say, I feel this because I'm mad at myself. No, I need a hug because I feel lonely or I feel disconnected and I feel sad. And then R stands for reassure yourself. So, reassure yourself is, of course, I feel sad and lonely and upset. How could I not? How could I not? Validate, acknowledge, reassure yourself is all part of the, you know, respond to yourself differently. Of course, I feel sad and lonely. All my friends have, uh, they're all paired off and I'm by myself. Of course, I feel this way. How could I not? Of course, I do. Honor it. Don't try to talk yourself out of it. Of course, you feel this way. And that's acknowledging and validating. And then you say to yourself, but I'm taking steps. To try to meet someone, I'm also taking steps to be more of a friend to myself, so that I can, you know, create solitude when I'm alone and not always feel so lonely and empty and bad. I am doing. I am taking those steps, and I will not always feel that way. But right now, yeah, it's hard. That's how you comfort yourself with words instead of with chocolate or like you know we need. We 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 need comfort words. We don't need comfort food. Comfort food actually indicates a wish to be comforted, right? When you when you say, hey, I, I had comfort food, what are you really saying? I need a comfort by somebody else because usually we get comfort by someone else from someone else but we don't you know we don't we don't talk about that anymore we just say oh i just had some comfort food we need to learn to comfort ourselves in a different way so that is the strategy S- think stop and think imagine a stop sign stop and think you're heading to the kitchen whoop stop <laughs> think identify what am I feeling? What's going on with me? What would I be thinking about if I were not thinking about chocolate or whatever's in the kitchen? If I weren't mad at myself for just having eaten chocolate, what or who would I be mad at? What's bothering me? And not from a place of, oh, I'm giving myself a pity party. No, from a place of, hmm, let me be curious, not critical. What's going on with me? Let me be curious and then express it. Well, I feel this because of this. I feel this because of this. You can't just sit through feelings. Uh, That's the other thing I hear all the time. Oh, so once I identify my feelings, I just need to sit through them. No, you can't sit through your feelings any more than you can, uh, uh, you know, step them down or or positive think them away or look on the bright side and then you won't feel them anymore. No, it doesn't work like that. I feel this because of this. And then, of course, respond to yourself. Of course, I feel this way. Right? Of course, I feel this way. How could I not? How could I not feel this way? So, these are some strategies of how you can deal with chocolate cravings at night or any other food at night. Really focus on why you are eating instead of what you are eating. And it all has to do with changing your relationship with yourself because often we will turn to food to get away from our own mean voices. So I hope that you have found this interesting. If you would like a deeper dive into this, uh, oh, I should say, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. I should say that I'm here every, I'm here live every Thursday at noon Pacific on Voice America and also live streaming on Instagram, or you can listen later on any podcast channel. If you would like a deeper dive into this topic and any other, please check out my best-selling book, The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina available on Amazon in all formats including Audible if you want me to read it to you and I am so excited I have a brand new project it's so fun it's called color yourself confident color yourself confident is an adult coloring book and it is designed for people who are struggling with emotional eating but not necessarily it's for everyone but is specifically created with people who struggle with emotional eating in mind and it is a uh, it's available on Amazon and get it. It's it's a really fun way to, to do the creative part that I was talking about earlier. Uh, it will put you in that color creative zone, which is so much better than the binge zone. So stay curious, not critical, and I will see you next week. Bye for now. Thanks for
0: tuning in to today's episode of The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Each week, she offers valuable insights to stop emotional eating and give steps to lead a joyous life. Tune in next Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.